0: Hello and welcome to the Koala Cove podcast. My name's Kate and I am a health, wellness and mindset coach for professional women. I help women get from A to B without the fluff and without the BS. So today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome, the four typical imposters and also one technique that you can do to break the negative thought pattern. So let's dive right in. So what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. This is a term that tends to get thrown around quite a bit, and there can be quite a lot of misunderstanding as to what actually imposter syndrome is. So imposter syndrome, it it disproportionately affects women. So women suffer more with this way more than men. It disproportionately affects us women. And it refers to the feeling of of being found out almost as not being good enough, not being competent enough or not being worthy of, of being in a particular position. So it stems from a, a real lack of self-esteem. And it's so debilitating for many. It really can ruin your, not only your career prospects, but it can also ruin social relationships as well. And if left unaddressed, this can really just be a major contributor towards the onset of chronic anxiety. You know, that that knot in your stomach every time your name is mentioned, uh, the feeling of you know whether you've been discovered that you're actually a fraud. People have started to cotton on to the fact that you don't actually know what you're talking about. It's that constant feeling, of of almost being found out as not being worthy enough. Imposter syndrome can can quickly zap you of all your mental energy and just leave. Little cognitive resources for you to focus on the tasks that really matter. So, say for instance, you are in the office, and something's went wrong. Something's happened within your team, and you quickly think that this is somehow got to be your fault and your fault alone. That is a sign of imposter syndrome. You automatically think that some that this thing that's gone wrong has to do with you and you alone. It's somehow got to be your fault. And when you're constantly thinking that way, when you're constantly on that, that negative mindset pattern, you're not you're not allowing your cognitive resources or your cognitive ability to focus on the tasks that really matter. And there's four typical imposters that tend to show up. The there's four most common types of imposter syndrome that generally tend to show up and with everything you know we're not one or the other we all tend to be a blend it tends to be a mix so let's look at the four most common imposters and the way that these show up in behaviors so number one is the perfectionist and contrary to what most people believe, high levels of perfectionism is not an ideal trait. We generally tend to believe in society that having a sense of perfectionism is indicative of being an overachiever. And yes, while healthy perfectionism does come from a sense of pride and ownership and a genuine engagement with the task at hand, when you have excessive levels of perfectionism, when you are exceedingly high levels of perfectionism, that stems from this real exasperated fear of failure. And it means that you have an identity that is based primarily on the values and opinions of others. So when you make a small mistake as a perfectionist, or you make a small mishap That causes real excessive feelings of unworthiness. And being a perfectionist and having those perfectionist traits is a way of avoiding those feelings of unworthiness. So, those feelings must be avoided at all costs. So, while healthy perfectionism comes from a sense of pride in your work and a sense of enjoyment in your work, unhealthy perfectionism, excessive levels of perfectionism, come from fear and fear alone. The fear, of having those feelings of unworthiness, so avoiding mistakes and avoiding mishaps at all costs, because that leads to a feeling of unworthiness and incompetence. Number two is the prover we all know one of these so provers tend to display behaviors that they think proves their worth or proves their competency so uh, typical typical displays of this um, this behavior. Uh, I usually put in in longer hours than everybody else at work. They put in longer hours than generally what is needed. And they're always being available. They're always available and they rarely take time off. So these are a couple of uh, typical behaviours that are displayed from people who are provers. Number three is the improver. And in my opinion, this is the one that is most common. This is the one that I see most of. So improvers are people who continuously undertake additional training they always go on additional training additional courses uh, courses rather and they do this in order to validate their worth so they tend to generally look for this one singular enlightening moment in which they just feel truly qualified they're looking for this aha moment That comes from these additional trainings and additional courses of when they will suddenly just feel qualified, truly qualified and truly validated and worthy. And they believe that when they do have that moment of being truly qualified, they're then able to to fully take ownership of what it is they intend on doing. The fourth and final one is the soloist and this is the one that generally tends to be most uh, most misunderstood. So people who are soloists are generally just very fiercely independent. They insist on working and achieving alone. So because they insist on on working alone and doing things solo, this is often misinterpreted by others. As, as being very self-indulgent or, or thinking that they're better than others or thinking that their ideas or styles of working are better than others. But actually, it's it's the complete opposite. It's, it's really misunderstood. So soloists generally prefer working alone because of this feeling of being seen as incompetent or incapable, incapable by others if they are working collaboratively. So they have a sense of fear. They're scared of being seen as being incompetent in case they say or do something that will lead people to to think of them as being incapable if they work in a group environment, if they work collaboratively. So they choose on working alone because it avoids those feelings. So those are the four typical imposters that generally tend to show up and the associated behaviours. And there's one thing that we can do to address this. So if you notice that you have a couple of these tendencies, but you're thinking, mm, how do I actually go around and, and address this and rectify this? I'm going to teach you one uh, one technique that you can do because I'm all about actionable steps. You know, things that you can do to confront these issues head on. Thanks, Mr. Tren. Um, things that you can do to confront these issues head on rather than just learning about them. You know, there's a lot of information out there, but there's not enough ways. Uh, there's not enough information on how you can actually implement it into your life. So one thing that we can do is what's called cognitive restructuring technique. And it sounds fancy. It sounds complicated. It's actually not. It's it's pretty simple, but it is so, so effective. So this is actually a counseling technique. And what it involves is basically testing for accuracy and looking a bit deeper at those negative beliefs and thought patterns that you have and modifying them and replacing them. So how do we do this? How do we do this cognitive restructuring technique? So the first step in this, step one in cognitive restructuring, is identifying your most prominent negative belief. And and this is the first step in a lot of things. In a lot of mindset shift and work, we can't change what we're not aware of. We we have to spend the time and the energy on observing ourselves. We have to focus on our energy, on observing our thought patterns. And we often don't do this because it can at times be very confronting. So step one is to identify what your most prominent, your most recurring negative thought is. What is your most recurring ne- negative thought what is the one that keeps coming up for you so think about what is the belief you have that tends to show up most often for you and the belief that has the power to to just make you feel so shitty about yourself you know it brings your energy down it switches your mindset and your feelings to a really negative state instantly it has that power you know it makes you want to curl up and hide so spend some time trying to be aware of your thoughts to identify what this is, what is this one negative thought that keeps showing up for you, that has the power to instantly bring your energy down. And once you have it, I want you to write it down, because that way you can acknowledge it. Step two. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to do, once we've got that belief, once we've identified that negative belief, is to test it for accuracy. We're going to check the accuracy of that belief we we often have a tendency to take these thoughts at face value and just believe them to be true even if there's so much contradictory evidence we just latch on to that belief that that this thought is true so in this step step 2 we're going to look at this properly we're going to test this thought for accuracy so first up we're going to look at the supporting evidence for this thought what is the evidence for this belief what can you think of that actually supports this negative belief? Nine times out of 10, there isn't any. <laughs> or there's one tiny minuscule thing that's, that's not even a thing. We're just, we're just scraping the barrel for evidence. So think about what is the evidence for this negative belief. And, and then after we've done that, we look to the evidence that discredits this belief what can you think of, what evidence can you think of that actually goes against this belief, that discredits it? 99% of the time, there'll be this whole long list of evidence that absolutely goes against this belief. And don't rush through this exercise as well. Um, Generally, a lot of people try try to rush through this because, as I said, it can be very confronting. But show yourself the respect that you deserve. Go through this exercise in detail. Um, and, and just give that that respect and that time and that energy to our thoughts. So notch up the self-respect and and take your time doing this because it's crucial in order to feel the benefits. So step three, once we've looked at the evidence for and against that belief and we've come to the conclusion that this belief is completely inaccurate and not a true reflection of your reality, we're now going to replace or or modify that thought. So we need to replace or modify it to reflect a more accurate belief, a more accurate thought, and and something that's just a true representation of your experience. So for example, I've just realized I haven't given you an example. So for example, say your negative belief is, I'm terrible at my job. You believe you're terrible at your job. You feel anxious about it. You think everything is somehow going to be your fault. Every time you get called in for a meeting, you think it's to do with your bad performance and it makes you very anxious. It makes you very sweaty. You get that knot in your stomach and in your chest. So that is your negative belief. You're terrible at your job. So we look at the evidence for this belief. Maybe you made a mistake a couple of months ago in the office. It wasn't ideal. Maybe a client was upset, but no one died and no one lost huge amounts of money, okay? So that is what you can think of that actually supports this belief. Now we look at the evidence against this. Look at the evidence against this belief. You've Maybe you've been there for three years and during this time, you've only had that one incident in three years. As well as that, you've been promoted, you've had a pay increase, you receive emails from clients and your boss saying thank you for the work that you've done, you have a whole long list of evidence that actually discredits that negative belief. So once we look at it, we recognize the accuracy of that negative belief and we realize it's not true. It's it's just completely made up. So let's modify or replace that thought to a more realistic one. The old belief was I'm terrible at my job. The new belief, a more accurate one, could be I'm competent at my job and receive praise for my work because that is a true reflection of the situation. So once you've identified what a new belief, uh, a new thought for you could be, I want you to write it down. Either write it down or say it out loud because once we do that, we actually give back into it. Once we put it out there, we verbalize it or we write it down, it becomes so much more real and it has a lot more weight to it. And I want you to learn it. I want you to repeat it and make it your new go-to belief. So when you feel those feelings coming on of self-doubt and the old belief starting to show up, I want you to be aware of that. Stop and repeat that new belief to yourself. We start to accept what we hear often enough. That's generally how things go. The more often we hear things, the more we start to accept them as truth. And this has to be something that you need to continually do at first until it becomes your new habit, your new go-to thought. Unfortunately, there's no quick fixes (laughs) when it comes to this stuff, I'm afraid. It takes a little bit of change and a little bit of work, but it will change your whole perspective and you will feel so much less anxious, less on edge, more confident and more relaxed. So it is worth the effort. So that is it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. They're short, sharp, and actionable. Follow me on Instagram at koalakov and click the link in my bio to get access to my freebie library. You don't have to input your email address. This is just my library of free resources. So get in there, take it, and run. And drop a comment below. and Let me know what you think about this episode. Have an amazing day. Show yourself some love, and I can't wait to chat with you soon.